Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, what's up? Welcome in GC Live. Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark. Um, Chris is going to be this little white circle. You see there today, Chris is joining us from the road, so we're going audio only, but I did want to hop in and talk to y'all a bit today and check in with South Carolina, of course, uh, not only making the hire official of Joe DeCamillis in the last week or so, but now introducing him to the media today, did Shane Beamer. Beamer had just spoken at the basketball game over the weekend, so not a lot of new team stuff there to be had, but uh, a couple of new things to react to with Joe D uh, speaking to the media here in Columbia for the first time. So maybe a little bit of an abbreviated show, but definitely wanted to do a show today. As always, presented by our friend Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage, clinthammond.com. 803-771-6933 is the number, of course. And like we always tell you, if you're in the market to buy a home or you just want to see what that might look like for you, give Clint a shout. Again, 803-771-6933. Uh, no idea what is going on with my lighting. So maybe I need to just go audio too, uh, but we'll deal with it. Chris, how we doing, man? Doing well, Wes, doing well. Uh, it's, been, it's been not too long since we saw each other. Listening to uh, Beamer and Jody speak today. And uh, like you said, not a lot new from Beamer today. I, I think there was one tiny, tiny workout nugget from Beamer that we can get into at some point, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. You probably wanted to lead with Joe D. I would imagine, and I thought it was an interesting press conference. I mean, of course, any of these guys, head coach, assistants, players, even you know that attend the press conferences and speak with with media guys, they're going to ultimately be judged on you know the the results at the end of the day. But but I think you and I just talked listening there to it together talk talking you know on the on 107.5 talking afterwards it was an interesting press conference from joe for joe d and i think you know as much as you can check the box and kind of pass that test so to speak i, I think he did that today yeah and I, I thought man um when winning the like he said ultimately it, it only gets you so far but i, I think with joe d um he, he kind of is what I expected him to be. Look, you know, looking at some of the videos that were already out there about his personality and, and kind of we, we talked quite a bit about how you know, this is a guy that's high energy by everything we've been told and a, a genuine guy and someone that you're going to have to you're going to have to come to work if you play for this guy. Like it, there's he's not going to sort of let you take it easy, but at the same time has managed to to connect with players and um, hit it off with players. And, you know, I, I think the first thing we kind of saw today was a little bit of the personality, a little bit of what he's like, just even something I talked about earlier, just the small things, the tiny things, how you treat other people, um, you know, calling other guys by name when media people introduce themselves, calling Ray Tanner, Coach Tanner, um, to me just showed 
a, a little bit of an understanding of where you're at, what's important here, what this place is all about. And, you know, I, I thought in terms of some of the stuff Shane Beamer said, it, it was kind of fascinating too. We we had some of the background on Joe D and kind of, we, we had assumed like, all right, there's just sort of such a level of respect, I'm sure, with Joe D as a 30-year special teams coach, 34 years as he corrected our buddy Mike on. Um, and then, of course, Beamer ball. Like, that's just synonymous with special teams. And Frank Beamer, one of the most well-known special teams-oriented coaches of all time, you just sort of assumed they had crossed paths at some point. And, you know, we knew Joe D was a featured speaker at South Carolina's um, high school coaches clinic uh, about this time last year. So we knew there were some connections there, but just, uh, you know, Beamer sharing that, that yes, indeed, Jody knew Frank and uh, that's kind of how they met. Uh, so, so top that off with the fact that you have this connection with Dan Reeves, um, you know, the late Dan Reeves, who is uh, Jody's father-in-law. And uh, it, it's kind of interesting that, Obviously, Jody's not from the state of South Carolina. He didn't go to USC, but there are some kind of unique connections to the program. Yeah, and and Beamer kind of solved that piece of the puzzle that we weren't quite sure about, and that was that you know he the original connection was between Joe DeCamillis and Frank Beamer. It's kind of crazy that he's actually been around that long, Wes. He still seems like a pretty young guy, honestly, in terms of looking energy level and all those things, 34 years in the NFL, then one at Texas now in South Carolina. So he'll be, you know, going into what is 35th year of coaching. Pretty crazy. And, you know, I mean, Frank Beamer was, he has not been gone from Virginia Tech that long in a relative sense. And Shane Beamer mentioned that, hey, up until, you know, my dad was at Virginia Tech, up until the end, I mean, they still ran a kickoff called Falcons that they got from Joe D. Camillus during his time under Dan Reeves at the Falcons. And so, yeah, I thought that was kind of eye-opening, right? Because when you think of special teams, like, you know, there are certain coaches you would think of defensive coach, right? And across the spectrum of football, whether that's, you know, whether you're thinking of college or NFL, if you just said, hey, defensive football coach, you know, who, who's the first guy you're going to think of? I mean – you know, for me, I have a little bias being in college football, but I'm probably saying, well, Nick Saban, right? If you think offensive coach, you know, it's a bunch of different guys depending on your era that you may that you may say, uh, well, Bill Walsh, right? Or you may say, oh, Lincoln Riley. You may say Sark. I mean, th there's a bunch of different guys you could say. With special teams, I feel like the list is shorter, you know, because people – special teams are one of those things – the, the lay person really pays attention to special teams if there's a big play or if you mess up and give up a big play. And so you don't really think of, like, coaching geniuses with special teams as much, but they are out there. And, you know, Pete Limbo was one, and it exposed South Carolina fans to, you know, what that looked like on a, on a regular basis. Point is, Wes, Frank Beamer is that guy that you think of. You say, hey, great special teams. Frank Beamer is probably one of the first guys – you're thinking of whether you're a new or older college football fan. And to hear that Joe D. Camillus actually influenced some of the things that they did in Beamer Ball version 1.0, I think is a pretty cool thing. 
really, and, and kind of speaks to the respect level that Joe D has in the coaching industry. Yeah, man, and I, I think Chris, um, some some interesting questions we got answered too. Um, one of them being, why why college? Why why now? And you know, it was kind of interesting, Joe D talking about how he he kind of fell in love with the college football game during this year at Texas, I think a lot of people thought not that we were having any reason to track this, but if you just looked at his career path, you would have thought maybe he does a year or two at Texas and then he pops back up, you know, with an NFL franchise. And, and that was just not the case here. He kind of, um, you know, seemed to fall in love with the and the, the atmosphere on Saturdays talked about, how his wife as well just kind of fell in love with that aspect of it. And then even as much as we're all looking at college football being even more of a business, which it is, it ultimately is, and it, it more ever is a players as the coaches, he sort of, I thought, had a unique, I guess, perspective, you would say, on that as a longtime NFL guy. He's saying, look, um, yeah, there's a lot of changes here, but it's still not quite the business that the NFL is. And he was talking about the fact and saying that as a positive thing and the the level of passion you can still have for the actual game of football at this level. And went as far as to say, look, I've seen a college football team tanking in order to move up in you know a draft at the college level. So I thought that, was sort of a uh, a point I had not thought about beforehand, and kind of kind of reminds me of the reasons a lot of us still love college ball over the NFL. It's just that how those Saturdays in a college uh, stadium can be. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, the, there is a different level of pageantry, and, and and you know, I think he were, used the word pure, like the purity of the game. It is still there, you know, and I think it's easy to lose sight of that in 2024 because, um, you know, it is the, the transfer portal era, right, the NIL era. And those things are only really advancing and progressing to where, you know, we're sitting here having conversations about the possibility in the near future of a collective bargaining agreement and revenue sharing and that student athletes who, you know, they're attending college, but they're also employees right for the the sports team that they're playing for from that school and so we'll see where all that lands but the, you know it, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that there is still a lot of purity pageantry to the college game i mean west not not every player on a college football team i mean there's 85 scholarship players there's a hundred and something overall players when you count walk-ons not all of them are transferring every year every two years at all not all of them have NIL deals of any substance, not all of them have, some of them don't have NIL deals at all, right? So that's still very much in place. And, and I, I did think Joe D's thoughts on that were very interesting because that was a question that I had. You know, why why did he decide to, to transition from the NFL game to the college game? Because there's been a lot of talk on it going the other direction uh, with this era that we're in. But, you know, the more I was thinking about it, Wes, after listening to him talk, you know, you could make an argument that he'll be pretty well equipped, you know, in recruiting nowadays. Here's a guy that 
you know, he, he's going to be recruiting mainly specialists, right? So it's not like he's going to be out there, Jody, we need you to go sign a big time, you know, defensive end, you know, or something like that. He's going to have some connections. He'll work. He'll have a recruiting area. But when he's talking to these guys, he's going to have the perspective of, hey, you, you know, you're talking about wanting to make business decisions. You're talking about NIL. I spent 34 years working with guys that got paid to play football and, you know, it was their job. And so that might actually give him a little bit of a unique perspective, you know, when it comes to recruiting, because that is going to be one of the adjustments for him. Although you pointed out not as big of an adjustment as it would be for somebody like Sterling Lucas, who's been great at it, but is out there having to battle Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, et cetera, for defensive ends. That's a different ball game than recruiting specialists. Yeah. I mean, dude, ultimately I think there's going to be an evaluation to that like you he's going to be asked hey what, what do you think of this guy as a punt returner what do you think of this guy as a kickoff returner otherwise man i mean you you're looking for punters kickers snappers a lot of times and we'll get his philosophy later but a lot of times you're talking about preferred walk-ons in that arena and if, if not it's just you're not going out and battling for a punter or battling for a kicker those things kind of tend to just sort themselves out and, you know, it's, it's not some big thing like it is with other positions. Will he be asked to recruit an area? Uh, of course, every coach on staff, that's it's kind of a rites of passage. Like, you got to take care of your area. You got to go out, and that's part of the gig. But, I mean, I, I think, and, and this won't even be an adjustment for him. The thing he's just going to have to do is be a part of the overall greater picture. And what I mean by that, is if you have a kid on campus for an official visit or a junior day or some type of presentation where you're kind of walking a prospect and his family through all the details of your program, and you say, hey, this is Joe D. He handles our special teams. You just want him to also be a, just another coach there that the players and the parents who are considering South Carolina say, man, I really like that guy, or that guy was high energy. That guy loves his job. I, I don't think it's so much of a, you know, do you know how to recruit some, like, scientific method to, to actually, like, a process. It's just going to be more about does he have a personality? Is he willing to work at it? Is he willing to have high energy when talking to prospects when they're on campus? And look, looking at just the other stuff I've seen from him, Chris, and then even just the press conference today, not to read too far into it, but just listening to the way he communicated in the press conference and the way he talked to other people and the fact he wanted to thank so many people before he even got started. I, I think those things, either, either A, come naturally to him, or B, he's already just learned throughout his career how important that is to to go up there, communicate, have energy, look people in the eye. Um, most of this stuff, I, I don't even know if it's fair to say will be a transition for him. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it he he already does, and that will carry over pretty automatically to some of his recruiting um, responsibilities, you would say. Yeah, and I think in addition to that, it'll carry over to really the, the reason that he's here, Wes. You know, I mean, sometimes you hear – so non-special teams coaches, right? You can kind of segment these things, like like a running backs coach, for instance. I mean, the head coach that hires a running backs coach, they're always going to say, 
you know, he's done this, he's a great coach, et cetera. But really, when you're looking at running backs coaches, what, what's one of the most important things, boxes that you have to check there? You got to be able to recruit, you know, whereas if you're, say, you know, an offensive line coach, yes, you, you need to be able to recruit. But the most important thing is you got to be able to identify talent and then develop that talent because that's that's a position that has proven over a course of many, many years to be tough to evaluate, tough to develop. You know, certain things matter more than other things. For, for Joe D. Camillus, the biggest reason he's here is to make an impact in an area that Shane Beamer's really emphasized, and that's coaching special teams. And if you think about um, how they have structured things at South Carolina under Shane Beamer and then when Pete Limbo was here, I think there's really two things that stand out about special teams. Number one, they were able to be very aggressive and use it as a way to change the game. That's something James Coley, the new receivers coach, is kind of – that's his mantra, right? But changing the game on special teams, how? Well, making – you know, blocking punts, uh, going for two when people aren't anticipating it, you know, being able to use fake punts. They've done that, muddle huddles. You know, they've done that at a higher clip than basically every other college football team, if you look at it, over the past few years. And they've had a lot of success with it. But I think the other thing, th- those things are great, right? They're fun. They, they help make game-changing plays. But the other thing that doesn't, you know, maybe show up as much, it shows up on Saturdays in terms of quality, but you don't really see this part as much, is just how special teams is integrated uh, so much into the program. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of the drills – that are done every day in practice with Shane Beamer and when Pete Limbo is here, you know, it's the same terminology. It's the same types of drills to where, you know, who's playing on special teams. It's the same guys that are playing offense and defense for you for the most part, except for your, you know, snapper, your holder, your punter, your kicker. It's the same guys. And so can you use your special teams periods of which they're, there's a lot of it under Shane Beamer. He's devoted a lot of time to it. Are your guys getting better at special teams and at their position? And I think that's actually been a little bit of a secret weapon for them in, in squeezing more development out of guys. And so I would think both of those things probably continue. Jody's going to get a lot of meeting time. You know, some there's going to be some carryover, I think, with some things that they do. And then we know that he's an aggressive type of guy. Shane Beamer has an aggressive personality when it comes to special teams as well. So um, I think that's the main reason you bring him in. And I think when it comes to teaching the guys and being able to communicate with them on the field, you know, there's a lot of evidence during his career that Joe D's a guy that is, has been able to command, you know, respect from the guys in his room. Interesting to comment about how you can maybe affect the game in you know, at the college level, a good bit more than you could in the NFL when it comes to special teams. You know, you talk about blocked punts, man, and, and how big those were at times for South Carolina. I, I don't watch a ton of NFL. I, I generally, I watch the Pan, um, I watch the Panthers when they're good. I, I barely watch them this year, to be completely honest. And then I, I watch come playoff time. And I was sitting there like, when was the last time I was just watching an NFL game live and saw a blocked punt? It really just doesn't happen. And so, real quick, this is that news. But, dude, you got 
two teams in 2023 in 17 games more than one punt as a team last year. Then there's two other teams that blocked one each. Then the rest of the league, accurate, the rest of the league didn't even block any punts. So um, you don't you don't see kickoff returns in the league either because, one, it's where they kick off from has been moved up, and the kickers, their legs are just so strong that, I mean, it's it's almost always a touchback. And so then the other part is, frankly, the guys are just so good and so athletic and so disciplined that you don't see the mistakes on special teams that then lead to success for the other team. How, how many times did we hear Limbo or Beamer, sometimes successfully, sometimes after a day where they didn't have a successful big special teams play? But either way, how many times did we see them say, well, yeah, here we saw this on film. We saw that on film. We thought we could take advantage of this. And so, you know, I, I think in the college game, you just have those opportunities a little bit more. You don't quite, obviously, you don't have quite as good athletes as you do in the NFL. Um, you know, so I, I think that leads to maybe more defensive, and I'm saying defensive as in like defense within special teams. So your coverage guys in a special team setting. There are more maybe opportunities for a, a successful punt return or kickoff return at the college level. There are more opportunities for your opponent to make mistakes at the college level because they're 18 to 23-year-old kids who don't have as much time to put into special teams. So with that creates more um, variety of all the potential things that can happen, which also means if you are – the best in that category, you can sometimes steal an advantage. And we know that's kind of been the goal for Shane Beamer. And, I mean, that's the goal going all the way back to Frank Beamer as well is, um, you know, basically to have those advantages. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. It was a hallmark of, you know, how Frank Beamer built his program and his son, Shane, obviously seeing that as, as chosen to make it a part of his. And it, there's no doubt uh, it has been an advantage at many times. And so Shane Beamer obviously wants to continue down that path. And, you know, when Pete Limbo left to take the Buffalo job, you know, he could have pivoted and he could have said, hey, I'm going to, you know, backfill this by hiring a, a coach at a different position. You know, we'll restructure the staff or I'll coach special teams myself or we'll, you know, we'll put a couple different coaches on it. But we know that his preferred approach when he got to South Carolina was to hire a great special teams coach, and he obviously did at the time and in hindsight with Pete Limbo. And, you know, he, he wanted to take that same route again and, and has been able to do that. And so, yeah, more opportunities to affect the game in college for Joe D. Camillus, which I think excites him as a special teams guy. And, you know, it, it's kind of surprising to me, Wes. I, I really didn't think of that until he said it, to be honest. I, I knew that I knew the part about there, there not being as much of an emphasis on special teams from an impact standpoint in the NFL, right? But I didn't really think about it being kind of a little bit more de-emphasized even in practice. And that somewhat even makes sense. If you're a coach in the NFL and you're sitting there going, okay, let's look at the statistics. I mean, how many kickoff returns are we actually going to get? 
you're probably structuring your practice time in a different way to focus more on the areas you're going to see more of in games. But for a special teams coach like Joe D, who obviously loves special teams, that's probably not quite as fun for him, you know. So it's kind of a way for him getting into the college game to make more of an impact uh, and to get more action, so to speak. Yeah, who who wants to bust their tail to come up with a bunch of schemes to try and leverage your opponent and use them? That, that doesn't offer a competitor like he clearly is. Guy, when the Dallas Cactus bubble fell and injured a bunch of people, including him, leaving him with a broken neck, he was back at practice a little over a week later, reportedly. So as a high-level competitor, wants to get out former wrestler um, in high maybe in college as well. Don't quote me on that. But um, it, it's got his likes to compete. He even talked about that when talking about recruiting, that it, it's, a, it's a competition. You're competing against that other school's coach to, to land this guy. So it may be in a different arena, but it is still a competition with and a loser. So all that stuff was fascinating. And I, I think that that was one of the first things he said when asked about sort of the college game and asked about going to uh, to coach with Shane Beamer, it, it was, as, as Chris said, knowing that I'm going to be coaching with a guy, coaching for a guy, give me time to actually let my special team act the game. Before we move on, tell you guys about sponsors, friend Andy Ludicky franchise, Head on over to MyPerfectFranchise.net. You can contact Andy at 404-973-9901. Andy is a consultant. You may be saying, what the heck does that mean? First of all, services are 100% free. And basically what Andy does, if you were looking for a side hustle, if you want to either leave your current job or just sort of add some more ability to, to diversify, build wealth, and or leave a legacy, what Andy does is he takes you skills, financial requirements, and your time to commit. He gathers all that information. Then he finds you a list of franchises that fit your needs perfectly. And then you can go from there to pick which franchise you might want to dive into yourself. Uh, call Andy or text him 404-973-9901 or shoot him an email, andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Also, let's, uh, let's go ahead and knock both of these out. And uh, tax 803-462-5576, helping Gamecocks throughout the Midlands with three convenient locations as tax time arrives. And Chris, um, I, I know you can tell people you've already had a great experience with Larry and his team at Liberty Tax. We have. We'll see him again next week. Absolutely no tax society here because of Larry and his team at Liberty Tax. A couple locations in Irmo. 803-462-5576. That's how you can reach them to set up an appointment. Make sure you're all squared away, whether you're an individual, whether you have a business, whatever your setup is, family, single, whatever it is, he can help you make sure that you avoid taxiety and get a great plan together. So definitely recommend giving him a call. Yep, tax time is here. 803-462-5576. All right, Chris, let's uh let's start to out, man. I think we hit the the major, the major sort of things with Joe D specifically 
Let's talk a little bit about what Beamer had to say. There are a couple little details here and there. First of all, spring practice is going to begin on March 19th, so that was noteworthy. Go ahead and mark that down. We'll, of course, have complete coverage on Gamecock Central throughout all of spring practice. That I mean, that'll be here before we know it, y'all. And, Chris, did you say you noticed a, a little detail as far as the strength and conditioning program right now? Yeah, and, and we didn't get a ton of detail, but I was curious if Beamer would ultimately be asked about this because it, it was a topic of conversation really throughout the season, um, in the off season, publicly and privately. And he was asked today about strength and conditioning. You know, hey, when you when you assess Beamer often says that hey, no matter how the season goes, we always assess everything, good, bad, you know, how can we how can we look to improve things? But there was a lot of conversation this offseason in particular about strength and conditioning. You know, there are, hey, what, what was the deal with the injuries? Could Do things need to be tweaked? Um, not just from an injury standpoint, Wes, but just, you know, whether you think about conditioning or strength or whatever it may be. And so he did answer that and did not give a lot of specifics, but he did say there were some things that they were doing differently. And Luke Day and his staff were – as Beamer put it, doing a good job of explaining the why on things. They had, you know, maybe removed some things from the program they were doing. They had introduced some some different things from a lifting standpoint to the program. So it, we don't know what those are. I, I can't give you a list of, well, they put in this particular lift that they maybe didn't emphasize as much last year. They changed reps up on this, or they changed the schedule up this way. We don't really have those answers, but it did confirm – that they, they have tweaked some things um, on that front. He, he didn't really Wes, the injuries, it seemed, have been greatly reduced. And last year, was it more of an outlier? Yeah, I mean, maybe so, right? I mean, when you have nine or ten offensive linemen injured, that, that tends to make you think it, it is probably an outlier year. So we'll see. But I, I just thought it was interesting that he did address that, even if it wasn't going into great detail. Yeah, he, he did acknowledge that there have been tweaks and changes, I, I think. And it, and it's hard, you know what, other than just seeing videos or the little bit of time we've maybe seen a workout here or there, it, it would, I mean, you could stick any random non-inside-the-building person at a workout and be like, hey, what are they doing different now? The, the average person, or really pretty much anybody's not going to be able to tell you the details, but in turn, um, have been tweaks and see maybe if we sometimes the players will kind of give you stuff on give you a little more information on stuff like that. So we'll see as we kind of get into spring what the perception of the players was on the winter workouts maybe this year compared to years past. But certainly some tweaks there. We'll see if those pay off for South Carolina moving forward. And then speaking of injuries, Chris, it, it sounded like. Really nothing new on the injury front. He said there are some guys, of course, who are still banged up. There will be some guys who are limited going into spring practice. And really, it sounds like the only guy maybe could just miss the spring or be very limited this spring, according to Beamer, as far as being not a long-term injury, but the most far off from being back to 100% at this point would be Rocket Sanders, which, Chris, I mean, 
I, I think all reps for any player are valuable, but for a guy like that who's already done what he has done at the SEC level, priority number one, two, and three for Rocket Sanders is to be 100% healthy when South Carolina kicks off against Old Dominion. I, I am not worried about the spring at all if I'm South Carolina. Yeah, I agree. Ample experience there. And, you know, the the first time that this was mentioned when, you know, Rocket was on at, at halftime in a sling, you know, and that kind of confirmed, okay, this guy's dealing with something right now. And Beamer said, yeah, the kind of cat's out of the bag there. But, hey, you know, he'll maybe he can do some things like later in spring. You know, but but to me, Wes, from, from what we saw, I mean, that's one of those where you just go – don't you don't force the issue there right you don't you don't rush anything to be able to get him a few reps here and there in spring you get him you get him completely healed up we we've seen the difference between healthy rocket and not healthy rocket which was last season right when he was dealing with you know really more than one thing at arkansas he's back i think at a at a better weight for him maybe he puts on a little bit more before the season but Latest weight, I think, had him listed at 225. I know that was an emphasis this offseason. Mm. He's back with Jameel Walker, who used to be his head strength and conditioning coach at Arkansas. My understanding is they have a really good relationship. And then he just needs to get healed up. So there, there's some familiarity there, and, and I think he'll be fine as long as you get him get him in there by kickoff and, and get him rolling. And obviously he's going to be a huge part of what they do offensively. Yeah, I think every Gamecock fan out there dreaming of the idea of a the run threat of Lenora Sellers in the backfield alongside a guy like Rocket Sanders who, I mean, God, ha- has every skill in his bag, can run with power, can run with speed, can make you miss, can catch the football, just can do it all. So really right now, as it is with most running backs, frankly, once they prove they can make it happen, it's all about getting them to game days healthy and, and then keeping him healthy. So that would be, I think, priority number one for South Carolina. And, again, just to reiterate something we've said before, this was a this was a known injury. This is something South Carolina knew. They're recruiting Rocket Sanders out of the portal that, uh, you know, he was going to have to have cleaned up. And uh, now in the recover, recovery process there as far as that injury goes. Let's close it out, I guess, with a little bit of Senior Bowl talk. Um, Chris, early indications for really both Xavier Leggett and Spencer Rattler. Now, I know Leggett, it seemed like he hobbled off a little bit yesterday. Um, hopefully, he's okay. I haven't seen any reports today. Um, hopefully, he's able to today. But those guys kind of doing, I, I dare say, exactly what we expected here locally. I mean. Rattler, I think we all knew, was going to go out there and impress. Leggett doesn't have three, four, or five years of tape of him just being a number one receiver, maybe like uh, some other guys do. So I I think that for both these guys, it was important to perform well at the Senior Bowl. But it sounds like, again, we're not there, but the reporting out of Mobile, Alabama, is pretty positive for both those Gamecocks. Yeah, what you always want to see in an all-star game scenario like that or really the entire kind of post-college, you know, pre-draft process, Wes, is you want to just see the stock stay steady at a high level or you want to see the stock go up, you know. And, and I think 
with both of those guys, it kind of seems like stock up, you know. Um, and it's funny because the thing I've been thinking of when we've seen all these reports about Rattler and Leggett that have been very complimentary is it kind of reminds me of when Debo went out to the senior bowl and he's getting all these – wow, this Debo Samuel is really good. And it's like, yeah, we, we know. We've been – we've seen it. And same thing with those two guys, right? And um, I think there's been, there's been a lot of positives about both of them. I've actually seen even more about Spencer Rattler. Um, I think people were curious, you know, to see what he would look like. And I think he's been – seems like he's been really in command. He's thrown the football really well. I think with what we know about both of those guys, Wes, they'll, they'll make plays in practice in the game. And then they'll, I think they'll do a really good job interviewing. And they're going to get rave reviews from anybody that coached them at South Carolina as well. No doubt, man. Watching them perform on Saturday, I believe that's on NFL Network. And I tell you what, man, I didn't really have this in on my mental list of things to talk about. Reaction real quick, Chris. I'm just going to throw this one at you. Um, have you, I know you're in the car. Have you seen the Big Ten and SEC quote advisory group that was announced today? Chris, we got you. Yep. Um, have you seen this? Yeah, I have seen that, actually. I was reading about it earlier. And, yeah, very interesting. And let me, let me give you my, like, off-the-cuff – I'll give you, like, a snarky reaction and then my serious one. The snarky one is that uh, it's like a an actual well-functioning, probably, version of – what was that thing? The alliance? What was that thing where they made the agreement? Um, but then they said they didn't need a, a written agreement because everybody could trust each other, and then nobody trusted each other. <laughs> but yeah. this is an actual – I think this will function well, and I think it really just, in seriousness, serves to show that – I mean, these are the big – this is the big, big two. You know, these two conferences are the power players. They've positioned themselves as such with the schools that they've gotten through expansion, the schools that they've already had. And I – people have really been talking about this for a while behind the scenes in college athletics of power is, con- is continuing and continuing to centralize, to concentrate where, you know, you, you used to have the power five, like you had the power five group of five that changed. Right. And I mm. think it's going farther and farther in the direction of just kind of compressing into, into two big ones that are kind of, kind of outweigh everybody else. That's what it seems like in this, I think it's further evidence of that. Yeah, seriously, man. And um and I'm I'm kind of leaning on Andy Staples here, who uh, had a really good piece of out is free. It's on all lead story on all three right now. But um as he points out here, the SEC and the Big Ten have joined forces joined forces as their leaders put it in a news release to quote a leadership role in developing solutions for a sustainable future of college sports, end quote. Uh, Andy says, they claim this is just an advisory group that has, quote, no authority to act independently 
and will only serve as a consulting body, which te technically true, right? Right now, do they have any additional authority over anything? No. Is this the first big move towards what is kind of the worst kept secret on the planet right now as far as college athletics go that ultimately the SEC and the Big Ten could control all the cards here? Um, I, I think it's a big first step towards that, Chris. And it it kind of, again, we've talked about this too, it reminds me of how businesses just uh, – especially now you see it all the time. Every business for the most part that's successful at this point, you, you can pull up that chart where it shows, well, these five mega corporations on every single other business that exists out there. And so are we one day headed for a college football world where one or two conferences ultimately are sort of the big boy header for every school, but then the schools are just broke up into divisions, probably with geography being your main um, way to split them up. And we get back in a weird way, almost to a similar structure than what we have almost always had, but maybe you just have different people in, in charge of the entire operation. Yeah, that, that is an interesting thought. Um, and, and I think that seems to be another part of this push. Wherever we end up landing, it just seems to me like the leadership structure is going to end up being different. Now, I don't, I, I don't know mm -hmm. if that means, you know, a, a couple conferences kind of reigning supreme, like you said. I don't know if it means you – know, the thing that everybody, I believe, is tired of is kind of, the bureaucratic like NCAA complex where it's, you know, a, a board of governors supposedly doing the, the bidding of the schools, but they're not really. And a lot of people who are, you know, and, and no, no offense to them, just like a lot of like lawyers and things like that coming up with policies and, and making it more driven by a model that, that makes sense and that where the decisions make more sense for all sides. And so there's been a lot of chaos leading up to that, of course, whether it's, you know, transfer portal, NIL, uh, conference expansion, uh, there's been some chaotic moments here, but it's all boiling over to where we're going to, we're going to eventually get something different. But I, I like how you put it badly kept secret that those two, those two, and if really, if you've been paying attention, maybe not even a secret, you know, just kind of behind the scenes and even with some of the public moves, those two, conferences have really positioned themselves very, very well into the future. And those two mm -hmm. schools have, not schools, those two conferences have continued kind of, you know, quietly looking around at the expansion landscape and just being very careful, very picky and, and biding their time. And, and who else could we maybe get down the road? Yeah. And who, who knows where their attention actually is in terms of expansion it seems to me like a lot of times there are poorly kept secrets involving expansion that end up not being true. And then there are things going on behind the scenes that almost miraculously don't get out until it actually happens. It felt like Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC, that that was a very well-kept secret until it actually happened. So uh, expansion, just another element in, in all of this. 
And uh, I tell you what, before we get out of here, um, the best way to get us to answer your questions is just to throw um, huge at us, which is what Greg here has done. Greg says, uh, you guys are my go-to info source for all things South Carolina checking in from Nantucket Island. Much love and respect. Uh, yeah, Greg, so, dude, we'll answer your question. Chris, he says, do we feel that a two-year um, – I'm guessing he means a two-year limit as far as transfers go. Two-year or a graduation minimum uh, could be a viable viable solution for the transfer madness, and that would be in terms of, I guess, maybe you have to stay at a school two years before you can transfer. You have to graduate. Um, you know, just some type of roadblock, some type of hurdle to slow down all the transfer madness. It, it's a good question, Greg. Chris, it's kind of one of those things where once you you can't put the toothpaste back in, it seems like. And now even the fact that, yeah, we're going to allow you to transfer without graduation, one-time free transfer. And that brought a ton of madness itself. Well, then you have this TRO where um, basically it went to court and for the time being, you can transfer an infinite number of times. So if that holds up, it's going to be hard to put any type of limitations back in, in, in my opinion, even though I think it would be better for, for a lot of people in college athletics if there was some type of transfer limitation. Chris, I think the only way to put the genie back in the bottle on transfers here is once we start getting back into this revenue share conversation and um, more money for the players, more direct money for the players from the schools where there would be literally some type of contract aspect of, look, you're making this revenue share directly from the school, and with that you are agreeing to a three-year contract that, uh, with a non-compete, essentially, that you will not transfer out um, before a certain time period is up. Yeah, that's what it's going to have to be. It's going to have to be – you look you look at the pros and their, their contracts and their collective bargaining. There are restrictions on those guys, but they're also contracted. You know, they're employees, and they collectively bargain. And there's, there's negotiations on what those contracts are between a player's association and those leagues. And so – that's what we'll have to have in order to get there. I do feel like it'll probably get there. You know, it's just a hunch because it just seems untenable to have just, hey, transfer as many times as you want, right? Especially when you introduce those other elements, you know, revenue sharing is what you brought up. There has to be some give and take there on that. And so, I, you know, Kirby Smart brought up an interesting idea. I don't know if it's a general idea or if he was putting it in the context of, you know, within collective bargaining, but he mentioned something like, Hey, you know, maybe, you know, the guy wants to sign for a year. Okay. When you initially sign him, but that also would let the school just basically pull a scholarship after that year, otherwise sign for two or three years and you can't transfer until after that. You know, we, we might end up getting something like that where there's, there's some type of options, but it will have to be, you know, a little bit farther down the road once there's some type of uh, bargaining framework to, to work with. 
And hey, uh, let, let's close this out, man, the, the way we started it with some Joe D talk because uh, I think there's actually an interesting point tied to that. When Joe D was asked about sort of all the changes in, in college football, NIL transfer portal, I, I liked the way he framed it up. And that was not to complain about it. That was to point out, hey, in the NFL, when free agency became more and more of a thing, the teams that took advantage of what was now something everybody else was kind of new to or everyone was new to, but some teams adjusted a little bit quicker than others. Those are the teams that found an advantage on the field. And so his approach was not, oh, let me take a college job and then complain about the transfer portal. It was, well, how can I as a coach take advantage of maybe having a situation where other teams aren't quite moving as quickly to um, to do the same, basically, Chris. Yeah, I thought it was a great point. And, and even, hey, even if you do want to complain about it, that's fine. Like Duke, like Wayne Kiffin's a great example. He has complained <laughs> about it a lot of times. He has also been arguably the best at it in terms of navigating the portal. And, you know, Ole Miss has a great NIL collective. And so that was, you know, the schools that hesitated a little bit in terms of the NIL environment, they got a little behind. The ones that jumped right in and said, this is the way. We may not like it, but we got we to get there. We, we can take advantage of this. They, they've thrived, right? And, and you can still catch up even if you were a little bit slower on it. Uh, but he's exactly right, and I thought that was a great point. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Carden fan saying, uh, why don't the universities just start giving out contracts then? Basically, you have to have some guardrails in place. Right. It just doesn't make sense. But then again, the NCAA never did. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, like right now, you you can't really hand out contracts. It's not in the way things are structured right now. But uh, I think that's ultimately where we are headed with that. Um, all right, y'all, that's going to do it for today. For Chris, I'm Wes. Appreciate y'all joining us for about an hour here and hanging out. Uh, Gamecocks men's basketball tomorrow. Another big women's basketball game on Sunday. Uh, South Carolina will try to keep it rolling over the weekend. And then we'll be back on Monday to hang out with you and uh, talk about what happened. Again, appreciate y'all. Appreciate all of our sponsors. Appreciate everybody watching. Hit a subscribe button on whatever platform you're on. Y'all have a great weekend. He's Chris. I'm Wes. We'll see you later. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.